0: section 5 of one by crime this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org one by crime by frank pinkerton chapter 3 part 1 in one of the many straggling streets almost hidden behind a few large shops of curious build stood a small boutique full of ancient relics and jeweled bric-a-brac inside seated by the counter Writing in a large ledger, was an old man, whose hooked nose and piercing eyes proclaimed him at once to be from the tribe of Israel. This Jew, Feeney, was not alone. Flitting about the shop, arranging the antique curiosities, was a young and very beautiful girl, with delicate features and lustrous black eyes. "'Can I help you, grandfather?' the girl asked, suddenly stopping before the desk, and leaning both dimpled arms on the dusky book." No, no, Miriam, I have almost finished. Leave me for a few moments quiet. Miriam sank gently on a high chair, and drooping her head pensively on her hand, sat for some time in unbroken silence, gazing out through the open door at the motley crowds passing by. Suddenly a dusky form, clad in the garb of a fisherman, entered, and drawing near Feeney, glanced nervously around. I wish to sell that. How much will you give me for it? laying a jewelled poniard with a golden chain attached on the desk. Feeney took it up and examined it attentively, then looked searchingly at the man. Satisfied at his scrutiny, the Jew named a very low price, one which his customer had some hesitation in accepting. But at last, seeing Feeney was obdurate, he took the offered money and glided off like a spectre. "'What a curious poniard, and how pretty,' Miriam said lifting it from the scales where Feeney had placed it. I am surprised he took so little for it. I'm not. One can't offer too little for stolen goods. Do you think this is stolen? I am sure it is. That man never came by it honestly. Scarcely had the poignard been put on one side, when two young men, handsomely dressed, entered the shop, and asked for some emeralds. While you are choosing, I will have a look round at all these curiosities, Miguel the youngest of the men remarked. "'As you like. I shan't be long, Denise.' Sampayo nodded, and commenced his search, turning over every object that took his fancy, aided by Miriam. "'I will show you something very curious, a poignard strangely fashioned,' the girl said, drawing the weapon her grandfather had just bought from its hiding-place. Denise took it up and examined it attentively. Then a low cry broke from his lips, and his face grew pale. "'Where did you get this?' "'I have just bought it. It is a very pretty toy for a gentleman,' Feeney broke in, persuasively. With an almost eager haste, Denise barkened for the poignard, and at last managed to bring the Jew down to ten times the sum he had given the fisherman. After his friend, Miguel Rial had chosen the jewels he wanted, Denise hurried him away. Not many hours later, as the young Jewess sat alone, her grandfather having gone some distance off on business, She was startled by Sampaio's suddenly reappearing, a look of intense anxiety on his face. "'Señora,' he said politely, drawing from his breast the poignard, "'can you tell me from whom your father bought this?' "'I do not know his name, but I believe he is a fisherman and lives in yonder village,' Miriam answered simply. "'Should you know him again? Pardon my asking, but it is very important I should discover the owner of this weapon.' By doing so I may be able to bring a murderer to meet his doom, and avenge the death of my best friend. Miriam gazed at him compassionately, a serious light in her dark eyes. I will help you, she said suddenly, moved, as it were, by a strange impulse. I have long wished for occupation, some useful work, though I should have liked something less terrible than helping to trace a murderer. Still, I will aid you if I can. Thank you. But if he never came here again— I shall not wait for that. To-morrow I will visit those huts in which the fishermen dwell. I may then find the man who sold the poignard, or at least a clue to the mystery." Denise took one of the small hands in his, and pressed it reverently to his lips. "'You will not go alone. I will be your companion. Together we shall work better. But your father, will he consent to your accompanying me? My grandfather loves me too dearly, and trusts me too fully, to refuse me anything.' He need not know the errand upon which I am bent." A faint blush rising to her cheeks. After making all necessary arrangements for the next day, Sampayo left the Jewess to wait impatiently until the hour arrived for him to start on his melancholy errand. It was still early when he left the crowded streets, to walk quickly in the direction of a small fishing village, some distance off. Halfway he saw the tall, graceful figure of a young girl whose long veil of soft, silky gauze hid her face from passers-by. He recognized her at once. It was the beautiful Jewess. So, hastening his steps, he soon stood before her. Signora, he said gently. The girl started, turned, then smiled through the screening folds of gray. Is it you? I was afraid you would not come, in a relieved tone. I am too anxious to find that man, to lose the chance you have so kindly given me. "'I only hope I am not putting you to any inconvenience,' Denise said gallantly. "'Not at all. I am only too happy to be of some use,' earnestly. For many hours they wandered about from house to house, Miriam having armed herself with a large sum of money, hoping by acts of charity to gain access into the poor dwellings. They were almost despairing of finding a clue to the whereabouts of the fishermen, when three little children— poor and hungry-looking, playing outside a tiny hut, attracted Miriam's attention. Stooping, she spoke gently to the little things, and won from them the tale of their excessive poverty, which she promised to relieve if they would take her to their mother. This they willingly did, and Miriam found a pale, delicate-looking woman, who, notwithstanding the raggedness of her dress, still bore traces of having been at one time different to a poor fisherman's wife. Encouraged by the soft tones of her mysterious visitor, the woman gradually unburdened her troubled heart, by telling her the history of her wretched life, how she had been doomed to follow her husband, an Indian chief, to death, but loving life better she escaped with her little children, but would have died of hunger on the seashore if Jamira, her second husband, had not rescued her and offered her his name and home. "'He is very good to me and my children. The past seems but a dream now.' If only we had money, all would be well. Miriam, with a few gentle, consoling words, slipped a few bright coins into the tiny brown hands of the astonished babies. Then, with a sigh, she bade the grateful mother adieu, and went out to where Denise was waiting. He read by her face that she had no better tidings, and drawing her hand through his arm, he turned away. "'Will it never come, the proof I want?' he said, half bitterly. Scarcely had the words left his lips when a glad cry of "'Father!' rent the air, and three small forms bounded over the white shingle towards a tall man, dressed in white linen. Almost convulsively, Miriam pressed Sampayo's arm to arrest his hasty steps. "'We need go no farther,' she whispered. "'That is the man you want, and if he is that woman's husband, his name is Jerima.' Thank heaven! Tomorrow he will be arrested and the truth discovered. Denise muttered. Silently they watched the man walk towards his humble home, the children clinging lovingly to his hands. The woman came forward with a bright smile, holding up her face to receive his caress. There can be no doubt; it is Jerima and the man who sold the poignard, Luis's murderer. Denise added between his set teeth. Almost feverishly, Sampayo hurried Miriam away. He was anxious to tell Leonor of his success and bring the assassin to justice. End of Section Five.